Good morning, good morning. I love a church that fellowships. How many men do I have here with me this morning? Okay, men. Here's a challenge. We actually started our 10-day mission meetings. And the thing was, I'm the only guy in the room. Now, I know when, Jesus, when we talked about the resurrection last year and the women came to the tomb first and the guys got there second, <laughs> life has changed. Guys, I need you to sign up at the welcome desk and show up next week. Let's get going. We got a church to build and we have a parsonage to build in six days. I know the ladies are going. They can handle some of it, but guys, we need men. Men with faith. I told you, all you need, all you need is $25, 25 bucks, a passport, and faith. That's all you need. Because, look, I don't have any money either. But I know God does to get me there. So, men, how many men I got in here this morning? Now it's quiet. Wow. Thank you for that slide. That was a paid commercial. And I know every man that was sitting here, I'm just checking the room out. Well, in case your name is not on the list, I can personally come and get you. That means college students, too, because you got nothing to do in the summer. See, nothing to do. Don't, don't be pointing away. Some of y'all graduate and you don't have a job yet. Go on a mission trip. Okay, don't put down the tape. We're going to start right now. Anyway, I want to welcome you to Grace Point Church. You wonder who this crazy guy is telling me in the office. I'm Pastor Rich, lead pastor here. And you come at a good time. We're going to start a new series today called Jonah. How many love the book of Jonah? Once a year, we get the chance to go through a book, and we really like Jonah. How many remember Jonah from Sunday school? And every time you associate Jonah, you associate the big whale that just swallowed him up. And really, when you look at the uh, scripture, it wasn't a whale. It was a big fish that God ordered for Jonah for his own good. And how many thought it was just a make-believe story that God threw in the Bible just to, just to entertain us? That's the way we taught it over the years, but really it's a great book. If you don't know about Jonah, he actually not the first time you read about him. If you read about him, he was first mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. He was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel during the reign of King Jeroboam II. Now, between 782 and 753 B.C., he was a prophet. So he was mentioned. He was mentioned, and Jesus actually mentioned him also to back it up that he wasn't one of them cartoon figures. He was a real historical person. And in Matthew chapter 12, 39 to 41, and Luke 11, 29 to 32, and believe it or not, Jonah actually was born also in the town of Galilee in a city called Gephepha, north of Nazareth. So he wasn't too far from where Jesus was, was uh, born. So he's a real person, and the book's an amazing book for being four chapters. Now, a lot of times when you think about Jonah, you think about the big fish. But the real meaning of this is God's compassion is unlimited and not limited just to his elect. That means God loves everybody, even people you hate. And that's what he was trying to display in this book. And what we're going to talk about, Jonah, in the next three, four weeks, from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 4, how Jonah was a little reluctant to carry out the mission that God had for him because he was a little upset because he knew God's character, and he, was, he didn't like the people that he was going to preach to. Again, a lot of times God loves people we don't. 
So let's start in chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. And we're going to use the ESV version. We'll go all the way through this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amity, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You want to circle that. He went down. That word is very important when you're talking about going down. I'll talk about it later. To Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. You see that twice. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So the ship was threatened to break up, and the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part, gone down again into the inner part of the ship, and he had lain and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Jonah is a bad place. And they said to him, tell us whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And what, the people, and what people are of you? And he said to him, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid to say to him, and said to him, what is that you have done? For men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Three things, trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. How many of us have children? Raise your hand. Now, you can relate to this story. When you tell your child to do something, they don't want to do it. And you're stern with them. How do they act? Do they throw temper tantrums sometime? Or they cry, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. You ever seen kids do that? We saw a lot growing up, and my mother would get mad at me. That's not me, I won't do that to your mom. But I know one thing about children, they act out what adults think. I knew I'd catch up with you. We have adult temper tantrums. And what you're looking at right now, just plainly, Jonah had an adult temper tantrum. I'm not going. So, he, yeah, I'm not going. What happened is, and it happens to all of us, we're all guilty of this. When our desire collides with God's desire, collision costs. God wants you to do this. You want to do this. Collision. Who do you think wins all the time? When our desires collide with God, we can either obey God or we can throw a temper tantrum. And we all do. We all come to that place. You see in verse 1 and 2, God called him. He said, arise and go. Verse 3, Jonah arose and ran. And he went down. First principle, when you ever try to separate yourself from God, all your life goes is down. You'll see he goes down to the, to the port. He goes down to go to sleep. He'll wind up going down into a nice custom-made fish. 
so real at. Because I understand what you're saying. What happened was they, he, God said to go to Nineveh. 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 Thank you. Not a New York word. It was the capital of Assyria. Now, there was 500 miles from him. Nineveh, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Now, the Assyrian army was the roughest, toughest army there was. These guys, we went up against them, they'll dismember you. They'll cut your head off and put it at the city gate and stack them all up. They will kill everybody, take their lips off, their hands off, lay them out, and then they will go ahead and fillet you. Skin you alive and take your skin and, pour it on the dead and put it on the dead people and leave you hanging to rot. They were a rough army. Burn people alive. Guess where um, Syria is now? Modern-day Iraq. When we go crazy over ISIS, go back to this age, 8th century B.C., that was going on then. Nothing new under the sun. It's just more public now. It was a rough city. And Jonah knew, if I preach against him, and all he wanted to do is say a couple words to him, God's going to forgive him. And I don't even like these guys. So he decides to run to Tarshish, 2,500 miles the other way. Syria was east. He's going to go all the way west, as the, as, the, uh, as the writers say, at the end of the earth, so he doesn't have to get close to anything God had. So he jumps on a boat. One wonderful thing. He finds himself a boat to go to. You know, whenever you run, you'll find a boat sailing the other direction. You'll find people going the other direction to equip you and help you go the wrong way. Isn't that amazing? And he was going on impulse. He was just going, going, going. And here's a, here's a crazy thing about it. He probably got in his mind, well, God set this up. God took me down there, led me to the boat. God gave me the finances to go on the boat. He probably built his own theology on running. And we do that too, don't we? He said, well, God allowed it. Just because God allowed it don't mean he approves it. And what he was doing, he said he was trying to run away from the presence of God. He was running from the face of God a place of serve, where he serves, he was resigning his calling. And he forgot those were irrevocable. You're calling and gifts from God. You can't lose them. No matter how you act, they're still yours. Forgot he wanted to get out of there because in those days, the ships will go away for three whole years. If I go away three years, God will pick someone else. But he didn't get it, and he will. And, you know, he ran down. And he's going to a place called Tarshish. And when I was reading that, a lot of us have a Tarshish whenever we run from God. Our careers, our relationship with the wrong people. You know, your your job gives you security. Substance abuse. Food, et cetera, et cetera. That's your Tarshish. The, the greatest thing here is, and I want to ask you this question, which is the title, what are you running from? What are you running from? What is your Tarshish? Because he had one. And God decided 
to bring a storm. Did you read that part? Not the storm just happened. God brought a storm of all storms. It was a supernatural storm because had, the guys had to recognize only a God or God has to get us out of it. must have been a, one big storm there because these guys are mariners. They're on the water all the time. They're used to storms, but this must have been a big, big storm that they were not used to. He sent a storm. And I read a lot on this, and a lot of guys said, and he was trying to punish Jonah. No, he was just trying to intervene, intervention, put an intervention in on Jonah. I love this book, Surprised by Grace, and I can't say his name. You can read it. The storm isn't punishment. It's an intervention brought on by God's affection rather than his anger. It's an act of mercy when God sends the storm into Jonah's life. God was using it to liberate Jonah from himself. It wasn't correction. It was a storm of correction. A storm of love, intervention. When people, you know, people you try to, they drop out of the church, they dropped out of your life group, you call them up, you can get frustrated, but they're on their way to Tarshish. They won't call you back. They show up every once in a while. They're on their way, they have a Tarshish in their life. They're on their way out the door. The other things are more important. And sometimes God will send a storm to get you right back into it. Did that to David. David was overhanging with the Philistines. Came to Ziglag. David was out of place. Got in Ziglag, got back in place, became king the next chapter. So he used those storms because he loves us so much. Now, when you look at this, three consequences to running from God, verses 4 through 9. We can cause damage, we become callous, and we become deceived. Let's look at the first one. We cause damage. Jonah's disobedience put everyone at risk. Everyone on the boat at risk because he decided to disobey God. Think about your family. I, you know, before I began really getting my life to Jesus, I had this philosophy that I'm okay being who I am. And my son and wife, they'll be okay with Jesus. And then God intervened on in my life. He said, you know something? You're the head of that household. They're going to they're gonna go up or down on you because you can't shake the leadership that I put in you. So it's your responsibility. Well, same thing with him. He put them all at risk, every one of them, because he decided to disobey. Like men, your family, if you don't want to be in the word of God and lead your family with the word of God, I'm here to tell you right now, you're a danger to your family. Our kids, we damage our kids if we decide to take Christianity as just part-time. Now, I'm not stopping at men. I'm talking about grandmothers, mothers, all that. They're looking at you to see how you interact with God. If you're not interacting with God, you're putting them at danger. Well, they don't want to do it when they grow up because what they can say, well, you didn't do it, mom and dad. Why should I? And grandma and grandpa, you're not going, you didn't go to church but once a year. Now, one thing, my dad wasn't perfect. He never went to church. But guess what? He sure made sure I did. <laughs> never got that. But I never, in those days, you didn't question your dad. It was yes, sir, no, sir. It wasn't about, I don't understand. Then you find out. <laughs> but it puts everyone at risk. Put them in danger. Causes damage through our disobedience. It can happen in the church as one body. Someone disobeys God, boom, causes a lot of problems. 
my finger here. We used to look at it. You'll say, why does my finger go that way? It's a young man I had in the military with me. Would not follow the tech order. Would not follow the written instructions. And it was late, and I wanted to go home. And I jumped on something that he put together. You're supposed to jump on a survival kit to close it. Well, I broke my own rule. I didn't check it by the book. I let him close it. I let him put it up there, and I went to close it. Well, when I went to close it, next thing you know, took off the tip of my finger. My finger's hanging off, and I'm sitting there. Man, and he's falling apart. I don't know why he's falling apart. I'm the one that got hurt. <laughs> and he has to drive me to the hospital. He's crying and carrying. I think I was in shock. Cause they kept, and I'm like, my finger's hanging off. <laughs> That's all I kept saying. The doctor said, come sit down and take some of these drugs. My finger's hanging off. And they sewed it back together. And you can actually stick a pen. It's not until you stick a pen, I don't feel it. Which takes me to my second part. We become callous. We become insensitive. We we desensitize everything that's going on around us. We become numb. Jonah had gone down into the ship and was sleeping, resting, while they were up there trying to take care of business any way they knew how. Just sleeping. One guy I got this from, he said, you know, he was resting in his rebellion. Just callous. You got, if you men work out, you guys cut your own grass? You guys still cut their own grass? No one cuts their own grass. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I know you did. Thank you, sir. It's like a salvation call. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, your hands got, I got, I got a calcium deposit right here. You can stick the needle on it. You don't feel it because you're working. He didn't feel it. He was numb to what's going on around us. Gave me a picture of the church sometime. The world's trying to figure out problems, and we're the ones with the, to the answers to the problem, and we're sleeping. We're just sleeping. We're numb. Can't wait for Jesus to come back. He's not coming back until all this, this gospel is preached all around the world. Callous. Sleeping in the middle of his rebellion. He doesn't feel it. Doesn't feel when some doesn't feel what I felt the other day when I saw that kid in Cooper High School get slammed to the ground. He's unconscious, and kids are standing around him like, "Yeah, this is crazy." No one helped him up. The guy is out cold, and the kids are standing there. Stinks to be him, you know. No one would help him. Callous to life, callous to what's going on around us. We didn't have those problems when I was in school because we prayed every day. All we worried about was getting hit in the head with spitballs. <laughs> now, you say, I can't pray in the school. You can press, start praying for your schools and stop blaming the teachers because your kid don't learn anything. Ain't the kid, can I say this? It's commercial. Secondary education, not primary. The parents are the primary. And when it comes to the church, secondary education, not the primary. Well, you ain't teaching my kid none. You didn't teach him none before he got here. Commercial done. If I stay here, I'll, be, I'll, I'll keep on it. But we become callous to what's going on around us. Stick a pen, it doesn't bother us anymore. People are dying and going to hell every day. It doesn't bother us anymore. It doesn't break our heart like it breaks Jesus' heart. When I was coming, I was praying. There's a song by um, Deeper by Israel Houghton. It said, God, break our heart like your heart is broken. Break our hearts for the lost. 
break our hearts for those, sink, those people who are not make, doing well. Let, let, me just, let me just not come play church. Let me be the church. He was numb. First, he put him in danger, causing damage. He was callous. Here's something dangerous. Number three, he became deceived. You become deceived. The sailors, which they do, trying to figure out how to fix this thing. That's what the world does without God. You try to figure it out. Came up. Identify yourself. Who are you? Where'd you come from? And here's Jonah's line. Well, I fear God. Now, I wouldn't have said that because he's saying he fears God, but his life is showing us a whole lot different. He became deceived. I'm a God-fearing man and doing nothing. Deceived. It's amazing. He's deceived. His description didn't match his actions. I love people. I'm a prophet. Why are you running? They recognize they real the new real God because they're calling on their, at them days they were calling their regional God. Everyone had a personal God, but they sure knew who the God of all gods were. That's what got them so nervous. And what are you doing here? And they recognized he was running. What gets me on this? People can walk around the seed and say, I love God, and there's no action that you do. We put God in a box. I love God from Sunday from 1030 to 12. Hey, can you go talk to somebody? I don't have time. Can, can you go call them? I don't have time. Now, Jesus should have took appointments too. I don't have time. Deceived that we think we're doing something. Now, he was saying it, but he wasn't doing it. How many of you don't like that? You want people's talk to, to line up with their walk. How many agree with that? Where's the church at today? We can disciple, we can talk about discipleship and break it out to 17 different classes, but that's not going to change one thing unless we get up and go. Got an old mind on that one. All I need is a Bible and a verse. I can train you for 25 weeks. Listen to me. But I cannot put the hunger in you. I cannot put the burden in you for your neighbor. I can expose you to all the different techniques and all the different great writers and all that that I have to go through in school. But if you don't have the burden or the heart to touch people's lives, it's just falling down. You're an academic nothing. And it's tough today. I'm not screaming at you. It's tough today. I said, come on, let's go, let's go to let's go to Baja. I don't have any money. Let me fix that. We walk by faith, right? Not by sight. We will never have enough money to do what God calls to do. We'll never have enough time to do what God calls us to do. So when we step out in faith and we put the sails up like that boat there, we go down and God will pick up the wind and take us where we need to go. But first we got to step up and step out. We've turned discipleship into a classroom. It's not. It's hanging out like the three pastors before me, teaching me the right things and the wrong things not to do. To do. It's taking time. Jesus put it on his, that's all the way he did it. How about your burden? 
Because we can say, I know God, and you give him two hours a week. Really? Really? God, I'll give you these days. Jesus gave his whole life. How much more do I give? He was deceived. And didn't line up with his actions. And he believed he was a God-fearing man doing nothing. And Jesus said this, my will, <laughs> my food is to do the will of the Father and what? Finish his work. So that means I'm doing his work, I'm being fed, and I'm growing up. There's nothing wrong with classes. But I'm here to tell you, what we're talking about here, being deceived, if we're disciples of Jesus, we would do it. Amen? I'm done. Don't, don't, get, don't get caught up with me now. And you, Because it's easy for you because you go by them every single day. Your, your next door neighbor. Your co-worker. Your classmates. It's not for the select few. <laughs> it's for all of you. So he's deceived. He's not in line up. I pray that people see me on Sunday the way they see my line, my work, my words, my actions are the same on Sunday as on Wednesday and Thursday. That's what I pray. I don't want to be a walking hypocrisy. Okay, y'all getting quiet. One thing about those three, Jonah didn't realize, but I think he did realize, Psalm 139, 7 through 12, that you can't, you know, we can't escape God's presence. He was trying to get away from the presence of God. That doesn't work, does it? How many had someone share the word with you like a couple years prior to and it wouldn't shake, you couldn't shake it? It's like, how come? What is that? What is that? Because they plant a seed in you and you can't, you can't get away. Once God puts his hands on you, now you can play around if you want to, but you can't get away. Psalms 139, 12, 7 through 12, this is David talking about, where should I go from your spirit? Or where should I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, what's, that, what's going on there? You are what? If I make my bed in Sheol, yeah, Sheol, you are there. If I take up the wings, mourning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I love that. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. I love the part holding me. He read, he's seeing this at the end of his days. And he's giving God praise that anything, everything he went through, good or bad, positive or negative, he knew God was there with him. You, that's what I'm saying. You can't run from God because he's with you all the time. Because at the end of this, at, toward the end of chapter 1, the guys come back. What are we going to do? And they told him, Jonah said, well, okay, what? Throw me overboard. Just throw me overboard. He'd rather die than be obedient. But, and they try to go back, and they try to do more rowing, and hoping they can get it done, and the wind got worse. And they said, okay. And then this, this is amazing. The unsaved people start praying like saved people. God, do not hold me against when we throw this guy overboard. Please, because they really believed if you mess with God's anointed, they will be cursed by it. They will, God will go ahead and render judgment on them. They took a chance and threw him overboard. 
And he sunk down, down into the water. And then God said, let me build the greatest fish ever. And I sure wish that fish was alive today. That would have been a great fish fry. (laughs) And ate him up, swallowed him for three days and three nights. And that's part two next week. What are you running from? And where are you running to? What is your Tarshish? Where are you running from? Where are you running to? What's your Tarshish? Is it your job? Relationships? Alcohol? Because each and every one of you, one thing about a pastor's job, we get to spot greatness in you. We get to see the gifts that's in you. But we can't catch you if you're going to run away. We can't catch you. Where are you running from? If Alan, Lindsay, or our elders say, hey, step up and lead this thing, they're not saying it because they need somebody. They're saying because they see something in you. They say, I want you to go to, and we tell adults, I want you to go to supple that young kid. I don't have it. No, you have experience on the earth. Go do that. We're not doing that to do something. We're doing that for that, that young man or woman can receive something. Because let me tell you about discipleship. It's better caught than it is taught. And each and every one of you have dreams and visions. And gifts and talents. But you can't do that running away. Now, if you're running away from a bad experience, how many have had a bad experience in church? Well, we all qualify. Now you can turn back around and come back to God (laughs) because the imperfect people trying to serve a perfect God. Where are you running from? And where are you going? Where are you going? Because if you're married or you have kids, you're going to cause damage to your inheritance. You'll cause damage. Where are you going? Everyone stand. We're going to sing God. We're going to respond. One thing about worship, it kicks off all the callous on your heart. Doesn't it? It kicks off your pride. They're jumping around. Who are all those folks? Someone who's free. You don't know where they came from, so don't judge them. Because they they feel like, oh, I know I was was forgiven much. (laughs) So I'm going to celebrate a whole lot. Don't become callous.